I became a Christian my sophomore year of college. My conversion came with some dramatic new desires. One of those was a longing for Christian community. I wanted to be around other Christians and was eager to seek out Bible study ministries on campus. This new desire was initially surprising. It caught me off guard, like the person who suddenly misses her mother's cooking once away from home. I hadn't expected this new hunger, which now seemed so fitting and right. The fellowship of Christian believers is natural because we are united together in Christ, indwelled by His Spirit, and are growing more and more into the likeness of the one who will gather his people and reside with them forever. The first chapter of the seed of the woman brings this point to view. The God who acts alone in Genesis 1 is also the covenant Lord God who initiates relationship with his created beings in Genesis 2. God's plan from the very beginning of creation was to dwell with his people. I hope you are greatly encouraged as you take in the first chapter of the seed of the woman. May the God with whom we will one day dwell forever make us yearn for sweeter fellowship with him and his people as we await a recreation in our eternal home with him. Chapter 1, Creation, the Bible's First Poem, Genesis 1 and 2. This book on women begins with God. In fact, as you read, you'll notice that we never really turn our attention away from Him. He is at the center of every chapter. After all, the Bible isn't primarily about women or men, but about the God who creates women and men and who redeems them through his son. This God and his son are our focal point as we journey across scripture. We start in Genesis with the ancient story of creation, retold with a focus on poetry. I'm no poet, but motherhood has made me a reciter of rhymes. Most Dr. Seuss loving mamas will tell you that poetry can convey new ideas to children more vividly than literal prose. A well-composed rhyme is a powerful teaching tool. Perhaps that's why poetry fills the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and shows up so early on in scripture. God's creative work in Genesis 1 is ordered in a sequential flow that some would argue as poetic. But in Genesis 1:27, we read a line that appears to be a true poem. The verse has much to say about God and the people he makes. Context for this poem begins in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. Moses is considered the author of these words and the first five books of the Bible. He wrote to an unsteady nation of formerly enslaved people who are learning to trust God as his own possession. Exodus 6, 7. This introductory sentence of scripture is key to the story Moses tells. It reminds Israel and us of God's supremacy. The world is in the result of chance, but his direct and creative work. Moses refers to God as Elohim, the mighty one, throughout Genesis 1. And indeed, here we meet a mighty God who commands avoid nothing into a vivid something. God is the only speaker and actor in Genesis 1, and this shouldn't surprise us. After all, he alone is self-existent and eternal. Like a designer, more masterful than Chip and Joanna Gaines, he used words to build three distinct settings in the first three days of creation. First, he made day and night, then sky and sea, and finally, dry land and vegetation. Genesis 1, 2 to 13. In the following three days, he progressively filled each space with a matching creature, cosmological lights, birds and marine life, land animals, and people, the crown of his creation. Genesis 1, 14 to 26. Our author shares all this with us in an orderly account. But when he gets to the making of humankind, he parts from prose into poetry. And here we have what might be the Bible's first poem. Genesis 1, 27 is a verse that celebrates the hallmark of God's creation, the man and the woman. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The word created seems to serve as the refrain to Moses' song here. He repeats it three times. The poem appears to shout along with Genesis 2. Yes, it was God who created humankind. He took dust from the ground. He turned, formed, and molded it into a man. The word for man is Adam in Hebrew. It was he who breathed life into Adam's nostrils. The man became a living creature because God created him. Genesis 2, 7. And God seeing that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, Genesis 2, 18, took his rib and fashioned a woman. She's named Eve later in the story. Man and woman are created beings. Male and female, God created them. Genesis 1, 27. Scripture's first poem emphasizes God's preeminence as creator. 
and humanity as creature. But the verse has a second emphasis. Here a majestic God forms dusty people in his own likeness. I have the joy of parenting daughters who resemble their mother. My eldest has been called her mama's twin. She's a mini version of me with the same thick curly hair and broad smile. She looks like me and yet someone far greater has placed his image on her. Human beings carry the distinction of the Imago Dei, the image of God. We were created to be replicas and vice regions of God, creatures formed with a unique capacity to reflect God's holy character in our rule and care for the world. And this is true of every human being, from the smallest embryo to the oldest among us. No age, ethnic, or social group bears more of God's likeness than another. Every human being is made to mirror God, and it starts at creation. God blessed the first couple and commanded them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis 1, 28. Like God, these two were to order and stock the earth. God planted a garden in Eden and placed Adam there to work and keep it. Genesis 2, 8 to 15. He provided everything the man and woman needed to obey his creation, filling and ruling mandates. They had marriage, work, abundant food, and something beyond our imagination, God's visible presence. The author seems to highlight this visible presence with the introduction of a new name for God in Genesis 2. He calls him Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, Genesis 2, 4. This is the personal and covenant name of God, the transcendent God who acts alone in Genesis 1 is also the omnipresent personal Lord God who initiates relationship with his created beings in Genesis 2. The Bible begins with a creator who abides with his creation and will end with a God who dwells with his people in a new creation, Revelation 21.3. In between is a drama in which woman plays a tragic key role. And yet, as we will see, the mercy of Yahweh Elohim will read like poetry in motion in this story of scripture.